Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey guys, my name is Jackie Zabrowski. And I'm Holden McNeely, and we are so excited to announce Page 7 at Wizard and the Bruiser live! Los Angeles, we are coming at you December 11th at 8pm at the Regent Theater. And then we've got some Midwest dates in early January. That's January 9th in Chicago, Illinois at Lincoln Hall. We've got the Crowfoot Ballroom in Pontiac, Michigan the very next night on January 10th. And on January 11th, we will be rocking the Pabst. And that is going to be in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I can't wait to eat a bunch of cheese curds. Come freeze with us. Get tickets at lastpodcastnetwork.com slash p7live. Again, freeze with us. Every ticket can be bought at lastpodcastnetwork.com slash p7live. Can't wait to see you all there. Bye. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. I just want to say um, thank you for choosing me to be one of your, I guess, human studs. Um, my name is Tomathan. You chose a man named Tomathan to, to help you bring you into this universe. I'm assuming you're a woman because they gave you tits. Right, yeah. And I say, thumbs up. Thank you for the breasts. Your, to your boss? Is it your boss who's doing this? Wow, that pubic hair is incredibly red. Bristly, right? Oh, your voice is a surprise. Yeah, yeah. The, no, the voice doesn't match the tits. Now, tell me, are, are we going to begin to make love, or, or, or are we going to just sit around and flap our gums at each other? It won't be love. Oh, there it goes. It's up my hole. It's up my pee-pee hole. Welcome to the last podcast on the left, everyone. I am Ben hanging out with Marcus. Hello. And, of course, Henry Zabrowski as well. We are in beautiful rainy Maine and it is we're in Massachusetts we're in Massachusetts (laughs) (laughs) he just told us he was having a series of dreams while we were driving in the van of our driver being headless and blood spurting everywhere and I don't want to hear any more of your dreams no the dream wasn't the driver being headless the dream was that the driver hit someone and then their head went through the windshield and then it went into the back and then we both were like whoa 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 and then we threw it back out the window and then we rubbed ourselves in Perel today's episode (laughs) is about sexual liaisons with Now, I'm going to warn you right now, okay? I know that there's a lot of people who expect us. I mean, like, we've been so mature. As always. Up until this point, serious, academic comedians, subtle, 
is what I've been called a lot. But today, there might be some blue humor in there. Really? <laughs> so that's a bit of a disclaimer. There's going to be some immature humor. I wouldn't have it any other way. Today's episode, as Henry mentioned, sexual liaisons with aliens. We wanted is to that, cover... Is it really liaisons? It, is, I'd say liaisons. I would say it's about half liaisons. Okay, sexual half liaisons <laughs> with the alien. The goal was to cover a series of abduction cases, right? Which Because I'm, I'm fascinated by the abduction phenomena. I think a lot of people are. And we kind of wanted to get... <laughs> knuckles deep again we might be immature today it doesn't matter i mean you sleep face down ass up just hoping the alien beam comes to your weird Come polish rump and it. sucks you into a spacecraft before they realize they've made a horrible mistake but then they make you the number one chef on the airplane that's the idea they don't know what kind of hog they purchased when they scoop me up <laughs> Well, on today's episode, we aim to tell the stories of three cases of alien abduction in which sex, specifically sex for the purposes of breeding alien species with male human studs, was the motivating factor behind the abductions. God, just already getting riled up on this. Of course. See, the thing about these sorts of abductions is that they are not a strictly recent phenomenon. Way back in 1957, a farmer in Brazil named Antonio Villas Boas. Oh, it's, I think it's Villas. Uh, uh, Carolina's getting in there, though. Yeah, uh, yeah, Villas. Antonio Villas Boas. Oh, yeah, my yeah, goodness. Yeah. This, oh. This, this, he is a stud. <laughs> he was abducted and sexed up by aliens one night when he was working in the fields. So part of the reason why I wanted to cover these, these abductions is specifically because... It is from the very beginning of the recorded abduction scenario. Antonio Villas Boas happened pretty much at the same time as Betty and Barney Hill. So this type of shit, this type of milking, and not just in the hardcore way as we're going to get to, but mm. in the fun way by fucking these are sex noises. Oh. Immature content <laughs> might come up it, in the show. It sounds like it, but it's been like this since the very beginning. Yeah. Oh, okay. But this alien encounter did not come without a preamble. Ten days before the abduction, Boas was opening his window to get a little fresh air when he saw a bizarre white light in the night sky. Ooh. At first, he didn't pay much attention to it, but when he focused his eyes directly on the object, he saw that it appeared to speed towards him, Whoa! which scared the hell out of Boas, and caused him to shut the window and call for his brother, who saw the light as well. Ooh. And Boas wasn't alone the next time the aliens did a flyby either. On October 14th, Boas and his brother were working in the fields at night to escape the daytime heat when the light appeared hovering 300 feet above their heads. I caramba. I can't believe what I'm seeing. <laughs> it's scary. <laughs> but I, my question is, is that if you're farming at night, how the fuck can you see the corn? They've got lights. Mm. Yeah, they they have light. This is nineteen fit. This is not like eighteen forty two. I'm just saying. I'm just asking <laughs> questions hard. about farm. It's hard to know, but I mean, the alien was providing a little bit of light for these people as well. Yeah, isn't that nice of them? But this time, instead of reacting with fear, Boaz walked towards the light, which seemed to catch the UFO by surprise. Ooh. 
Instead of speeding towards him again, the craft acted in a manner that could almost be described as flirtatious. <laughs> well, this is it. You got to play hard to get. You got to start from the first glance. Yes. So Boaz is like, he wanted it too much. Mm-hmm. This so- is a Henry Zabrowski move. <laughs> so the UFO started moving from one side of the field to the other, according to Boaz's movements. <gasps> I don't think you're ready for this jelly. <laughs> she will be dead in 2027. You just predicted the death of what is that? That's Beyonce. <laughs> Jennifer Lopez. Uh, Do you have a brain aneurysm in the van? I don't. You don't know. know what state we're in. You Man, think J Lo means Beyonce? I don't know anymore. Well, Boaz said he played this little game about 20 times before he finally got bored. You got bored of dancing with a UFO in a field at night with your brothers all, ha- all hammered? 20 yeah. times? I'm going to get bored after I do it 20 times. Wow. But this is a once-in-a-lifetime experience. I feel a like seri- should- None of these people are serious ufologists. No, they're <laughs> farmers. They're farmers. I, that's their first strike against them. Not being farmers, but not taking the job that they just got handed seriously. Okay. How many times would you do it? I'd be there all fucking night. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. But you would get bored. I could. I bet you you do it less than 20 times. You know what? I sometimes have been known to be lazy. <laughs> <laughs> when Boaz stopped, the light blinked off like someone had thrown a light switch. Hmm. But those small encounters were nothing compared to what happened the next night. On October 15th, 1957, Boas was alone in the field near his tractor at about 1 a.m. when a red light appeared. Go to sleep, Mr. Tractor. <laughs> Go to sleep, my Aww. son. Get the tractor so it sleeps. That's how they go to bed. Yeah. I love tractors. <laughs> The light was so bright that it overtook the headlights of the tractor. And behind that red light, Boaz said, was a large egg-shaped metal craft that seemed to be propelled by a spinning mechanism. Oh my God, it's the Zabrowski craft. <laughs> yes, yes, it's the Thunder Egg. <laughs> I, um, well, if you read about the, this account, what apparently several other Brazilian towns had been buzzed by a fairly odd-shaped helicopter is what they thought mm. it was. Because it had this kind of egg-shaped canopy like a sick bulls with a helicopter oh, on yeah. top of it. Immature content ahead. <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, Boaz tried running for his tractor, but the engine died before he could get to it. Then three large hook-shaped protrusions shot out from the UFO. Fucking centibites! And then suddenly, Boaz felt two hands from two different beings grab each of his shoulders from behind. Uh-oh. When Boaz turned around, he saw three creatures wearing gray uniforms and round helmets. And those beings attached Boaz to the hook and foisted the confused farmer up into the craft. Hop, 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 hop. Got the sperm farmer. <laughs> we got him, boys. Let's get him up there. I hope these overalls can come off easily because you're about to be bounced upon like you're a trampoline, farmer man. <laughs> oh, my. No one likes to be a bouncy house. But don't they? I do. Uh, <laughs> oh, I don't think so. Three uh, random hooks come out of the sky, hook your weird little Polish body, and all of a sudden you, you're just bounced upon? You I just it. can't enter into this conversation. Because we all know for a fact that I am a curious little cat. 
<laughs> curious cat with curious thoughts who sees a little box. He just wants to open up, sees what's inside, sees a little pipe, uh-huh. thinks it's kind of cute. What's inside the pipe? Whiskers, because I got shoulder hairs, kind of show how big the pipe can be that I can fit inside because my shoulder hairs fit it attached to my nervous system. But in reality, sometimes curiosity does kill the cat. Yeah, yeah, it does all the time. But I thought they were supposed to be sucked up by like a light. This it's is seen- old school. Yeah. This is analog days. I don't want to be treated like one of those characters from Toy Story with the claw. Mm-hmm. Not the claw. <laughs> the claw. It sounds so much worse than getting sucked up by a light. That's a part of what's interesting about this phenomenon is how decades go. And as time goes, the phenomena seems to change with our perception of reality and the things that we see all the time. And so having these kind of official-looking aliens, early on, many aliens, besides Betty and Barney Hill, who saw straight-up greys, a lot of discussions and, and sightings, of, especially of close encounters with fourth kind, were just straight-up dudes with just sometimes big noses and helmets and little jumpsuits just hanging around. Okay. Like Italian plumbers before the Mario Brothers. Oh, my God. They were great plumbers. Although, did the Mario Brothers really take the plumbing job seriously after they became superheroes? Well, it all depends on if it's all real or not. Yep. Yeah. Or if it's not just a... An asbestos-fueled nightmare that they were all trapped in. <laughs> That's how my grandfather died. Well, according to Boas, the uniform... <laughs> he didn't die of asbestos poisoning. This is good. This is good. According to Boas, the uniforms that the creatures wore were form-fitting without a single crease and were so tight that the aliens couldn't properly move their fingers. But... Boaz assumed all three were there in some sort of official capacity because all of them had a badge made of reflective material about the size of a pineapple slice on their chest. See, this is just why lanyards have power. Yeah. Yeah. You got to have nothing a little tiny helmeted nerd loves more than a kind of badge. It gives yep. you power. Perhaps the strangest item of clothing was their shoes. Each one wore shoes with lifts that appeared to be about three inches tall, and the toes on each shoe curled upwards into a point like what a Christmas elf might wear. It's cute. Also, what's interesting about their outfits is that they are very similar to old drawings of fairies and the Mm. Hildefolk, the hidden people. Mm -hmm. So again, I'm going to put my Jacques Vallée sash on, representative of the Jacques Vallée Fan Society, and I'm going to say, he talks about this many, many times, that this is the story of where all folklore comes from, and the idea of the changeling, where people are stolen, children are stolen, and taken to a netherworld, and then brought back somewhat different. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, once Boaz was inside the craft, he was led to a room with a strangely shaped table and backless swivel chairs. Uh Uh-oh. The creatures then began communicating with him, but instead of using telepathy, as is common in these cases... These aliens had a different approach. They directed Boaz to the examination table using a series of grunts, barks, and yelps. (laughs) What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do, friend? Wow, it sounds like a weird kink.com video. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he said that the grunts, barks, and yelps were animalistic, but... They did not have any analog to any animal Boaz had ever heard on Earth. Hmm. It's not like they were... They weren't impersonating any sort of other animal. That's just how these creatures communicated. Interesting. Now, Boaz said that the aliens were never forceful, but they were firm. And before Boaz knew it, he was naked, Mm -hmm. and the aliens were rubbing him down with a thick, colorless, odorless liquid that was neither cool nor unpleasant on his skin. And I can't say 
more clearly how difficult it is to cover a farmer and lube. Yep. <laughs> because they're independent spirit. They are. They want to fight. They want to fight the grip. Fight the grip. Ask your father. Marcus. Yes. I would could not imagine someone kidnapping my father and lubing him. Why not, though? <laughs> you know, at the same time, the farmer needs a good rub down just like everybody else. Sure. Maybe more than anybody else. I mean, they, they work can in all the fields. use rubdowns. They're sore. Mm-hmm. So I bet you at some point you realize you got to lean in because you're not going anywhere. You're in a spacecraft. I don't think this is a rubdown, though. This is more of just like a slathering. You're getting slathered. It's yeah. like when I was covered in peanut butter for your pretty faces going out, mm-hmm. where they get every fucking crease just slathering slathering business-like like you're the slice of ham and they're the mayonnaise guy right right so once boas was good and oiled up they led him to another room took blood samples specifically from his chin you with the chalice like object it was like a, it had a razor's edge and they placed it Ooh. up against his chin and it cut his skin upon impact and slowly bled him into this thing mm-hmm. okay and then they just left him to his thoughts naked what? oiled up and bleeding well, I wonder what I should have for lunch on Thursday, <laughs> because I had sandwiches today, and I had soup yesterday, tomorrow's Wednesday, but you know, tomorrow, that is, uh, that's Pizza Wednesday, oh, I love my that. pizza friends and my pizza club, so I guess Thursday's gonna have to be trying to hold back the memories of being raped in this egg. <laughs> Enjoying yourself? Need anything? You need a water? (laughs) I thought you were speaking in English for a second. Jeez. Alone with his thoughts, lubed up, bleeding from the chin. Mm -hmm. But after a bit, smoke started pouring into the room. Now, the smoke didn't necessarily hurt him, but it did make him nauseous enough to throw up in the corner. (sighs) Well, that definitely means something happened. Yeah. Yeah, they, de- they didn't give him a bucket or anything like that. They just filled the room with this mysterious smoke. I don't like this guy's laissez-faire description of him being abducted so far. Just being like, <laughs> this yeah, is they- Marcus's description. <laughs> this is it. I'm not, I'm not reading from his... I'm not reading... He wrote the script. This is your interpretation of <laughs> Where it. Where are yeah. you right now? Because so far, <laughs> he's been- just like, I was rubbed down. It wasn't bad. It wasn't good. There was smoke. It was okay. It wasn't horrible. Puked in the corner. I've been reading... I've been writing scripts for 300 episodes. Episodes. 300 episodes. This doesn't just come out of your mind? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the way he talked about it, though, because after the fact, you'll That's see. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you'll you, see. If you listen to the story. I am listening. You'll see that there's a reason why. Yeah. But once he got it all out, the door opened and a different kind of alien entered the room. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. A little bit different. <laughs> <laughs> What's the difference? This one was noticeably female and passably human, pale with platinum blonde hair, large, slanted blue eyes, and high prominent cheekbones on a narrow face that ended in a pointed chin. She also happened to be completely nude. It's too late. I've seen everything. (laughs) As such, Boaz was able to see that she had high, firm breasts, Mm -hmm. a narrow waist, wide hips, and large thighs. Aye, 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 my friend. <laughs> but although the hair on her head was blonde, her armpit hair and pubic hair was bright red. She got the leprechaun flu. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, it was Boaz's assumption that the clear liquid the aliens had rubbed him down with earlier was some kind of aphrodisiac. Because despite the fact that he had just spent 10 minutes naked and puking on an alien spaceship. Straight up. They literally pull him in a room, right? You got all these dudes fucking carrying you and you've been hoisted up by a hook. (laughs) They removed all your clothes from you, (laughs) slathered you in vapor rub. They literally cover all this shit. And then they zap you with gas. (laughs) All of a sudden he sits back. And he's like, I'm super horny right now. Wow. (laughs) He was super horny. All he could think of was having sex with this red pubic haired alien standing in front of him. Okay. She's just standing there, man. She's just standing there being like, I'm up and break it off. I love her. Up in my guns. Oh, my. (laughs) Immature humor. A little bit. (laughs) She walked towards him, took her in his arms and had sex with him in a variety of positions over the course of about an hour. Wow. Got that farmer strength. Yes, indeed. Longevity. He said she spoke not a single word during the entire encounter, but rather communicated through a series of growls. Okay. Okay. (laughs) She didn't kiss him either. That's too close. It's too intimate. She's at work. Julia Roberts. Yes. She's got to go back to her, like, husband, her alien husband. And Julia Roberts, pretty woman, they just took that from her real life. She does not kiss. Mm -hmm. Really? No. Boaz speculated the reason why the alien didn't kiss him is because he'd just been throwing up a whole lot. Ah, that makes sense. Didn't give him a toothbrush or anything like that, so instead she just nibbled on his chin. It's like every single housewife in North Dakota when their husband comes back from the bar. They can't kiss that night because they know he's been puking in the field. You're mad because you said I don't initiate enough and so I go have nine schlitzes and I throw open a dumpster and now you're saying I smell like vomit. (laughs) (laughs) Marriage is tough. So once Boaz finished, the aliens who had abducted him in the first place entered the room and motioned for the woman to join them. Before she left, she turned around, looked at Boaz... Rubbed her belly, then pointed upwards to the sky. How terrifying would that be if you met a woman on a dating app and you guys hooked up and then all this happened, totally silent, up to now, it's cool. You're like, okay, we don't got to talk. We don't got to kiss. I don't know, whatever the, whatever the hell your deal is. I mean, you are a distinct looking woman. Sure. And then she stands up and goes, mm-hmm, rubs her belly, basically being Got your baby. <laughs> got it in my baby bank. One less egg. I got to shit out this month. And I know how women work. I know how women's bodies work. That's exactly what they say when they get pregnant. One less egg I have to shit out this month. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I think that's how the doctor tells them. Well, ma'am, nice news. You have one less egg to shit out this month. You're pregnant. We understand women. We represent women on the show. Mm-hmm. I know it. But still, I mean... He goobed in this alien. I'm yep. sure he did. Of course he did. He's yeah. full of lube. Yeah. Yeah, there's no condoms. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he could have pulled out. I don't think she was going to allow that to happen. <laughs> How distracted is he already? It's so difficult to pull out. It takes all your concentration. Yes. He's got all this shit going on. He's doing the cartwheel. He's doing the jimmy shack. He's doing the wheelbarrow. Right from your grave. The only acceptable reason to interrupt a podcast? Your dog. That was your dog saying thank you for BarkBox. You can take a minute now. You pet your dog. You're going to learn about Bark. It's the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Yay. 
Every month, BarkBox designs and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. No, Wendy, I can't get you a whip. You're too cute for weapons. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Mmm, tubers. My dogs love their toys selectively. But BarkBox sends good little ones for the little tiny mouths. They have little mouths, but strong, big spirits. So they fight over the little toys. I imagine they think that they are hunting and going after little bugs and rats. And oh, they love their life and they love the they love what BarkBox brings. Because BarkBox brings the bark and puts it in a box. Yep. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash L-E-F-T. Every day, I fight to set my child up for success, which is why, as I sit and read Carmi and Wendy Dune, trying to explain to them the concepts of the savior complex not working, doubling back on itself, the concept of what does it mean to be a living God? What are those limitations? What are those expectations? And honestly, I know they just want chicken. But there are kids out there that need this type of direct help. And IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them understand and master topics in a fun way. Not unlike me, reading children, Dune Messiah, getting to about 365, seeing where they're at. See if they understand anything. There's no more grading these worksheets. IXL grades everything itself. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. You can't even believe it! You don't want to make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And last podcast in the left listeners could get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash left. Visit IXL.com slash left to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Rise from your grave. Boaz said that despite the strange circumstances surrounding his romantic encounter, he thoroughly enjoyed the experience. See, this is what we're saying is that he, at the very end of it, which is just, man, it just just shows the limited capabilities of a man to allow anything to enter emotionally into the center of their brain. Right. Because he just got juiced. And because he got juiced hard, he's like, in the end, it all adds up. (laughs) I'm fucking even Stevens for me, man. And he's a single guy. But did they give him his clothes back? Yeah, they gave him his clothes back. And then they just sent him back? Well... He said that his only real problem with it was that he was kind of being treated like a breeding stallion. Yeah. Bit of a stallion. But it's kind of a compliment, too, that they saw him and they were like, that's the one to stud. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And from the way it sounds, he had reason to feel that way. They did return his clothes and they did lead him back to the entrance room. But once they got there, the aliens just kind of ignored him like one would ignore a horse after a successful mate with a mare. That's weird, Marcus. That's a weird, that's a weird analogy because I don't even know. Like, well, I if he's a stallion, know. then that means they yeah. bring in the stallion. Yeah, but do yeah, they but... treat the stallion like? Do they like? But then after it's... it fucks the other horse, you guys turn around with your arms crossed and like, I can't even look at you right now. Well, no, yeah. you don't. You don't purposely ignore it. It's just the stallion's job is done, and you don't have to pay attention to the stallion anymore. But what, what do, do you, you do before? 
wouldn't you feed it some oats? I mean, you g- feed it when you need to feed it, but, but you're not going to give it like, here's your fuck oats. Like you just, <laughs> you should definitely give it fuck oats. <laughs> Where are my fuck oats? <laughs> you can get fuck oats if you want. Yeah, I got to buy my own damn fuck oats. Yeah, I've right. not seen that in the cereal aisle. <laughs> it's a very controversial cereal. These post fuck brand. <laughs> Hope you like it. Yeah, we got a B as our little cartoon guy on the top of the box with a big old cock on it. Ooh, a B with a boner. Fuck brand. Whoa. Man, I love this company. It's cool. Now, smartly, Boaz did try to take evidence of his encounter. On the examination table was a clock of some kind, or so Boaz assumed, because it had a single hand and symbols that could have represented numbers. So Boaz figured if he was able to bring back some weird shit, people would believe his story. Uh But unfortunately for us all, the aliens caught him shoplifting and made him give the clock back before they let him go. I mean, where was he going to hide it? He had a jacket. Pop it in the jacket. Okay. They just watch him do it the whole time. They're like, you're inside a living organism. Do you understand <laughs> right. that? This entire ship is an alien as well. So you're fuck, buddy. Thanks for the cum. <laughs> and no one's ever thanked me for cum. No, never. Now, they did at least have enough kindness to land and let Boas leave of his own free will. Yeah. But, <laughs> but once the door closed behind him, the ship rose into the air, the saucer section started spinning, the lights all turned red, and the craft flew south at an incredible speed. Okay. When Boaz checked his watch, he found that the entire encounter had lasted for about four and a half hours. Damn. Wow. But that wasn't the end of the story for Antonio Villas Boas. As it will be for all our stories today, these sexual encounters... Come with a price. Uh Uh-oh. Boaz spent the next three months suffering from fatigue, loss of appetite, nausea, aches and pains, headaches, a constant burning sensation in his eyes, and strange bruising all over his body that eventually turned into thick red lesions. And that's why us here at Last Podcast on the left would like to talk to you tonight about abstinence <laughs> and why <laughs> just saying no this is, is oftentimes big... like saying yes to your future. <laughs> this is a big ad for condoms because yeah. if you get space herpes, <clears throat> you're not going to be good for oh, a while. Not it's for what it sounds like because those lesions turned into protruding nodules yeah. and those nodules were said to be harder than the skin around them and they were painful to the touch. <clears throat> and when they were bothered, a yellowish, thin, watery discharge would seep out. <laughs> yeah, it was bad, dude. But he still did not regret the time <laughs> because he got his mind blown wow. by a space babe. Okay. But perhaps the most interesting of all of Boaz's maladies was that he was suffering from severe radiation poisoning, which was an exceedingly odd thing for a farmer in rural Brazil to have to deal with. Because no matter what you can say about Boaz's uh, experiences, what he said happened, in the medical records, it does say severe radiation poisoning. And unless he is handling uranium... Like of that he found on his farm, which I'm not discounting. Not Who discounting. fucking knows? But it, that's the only way he'd get it. This is going to be a thing that's a that is the the it is the fly up the asshole of the entire abduction scenario, hmm. which is you want physical proof. 
people want physical proof because sometimes people come back with things like this. They want physical proof. They, within the abductions experience, when you become kind of conscious and understanding of where you are, you when you pop into the present every once in a while, people will try to grab an object to try to prove it. And then when they show, it's a lot of times if they show back up after the abduction scenario, they don't have that shit anymore. But they'll have stuff like, my dick's covered in lesions. Mm. And I don't know what just happened to me unless I was raped by a chicken last night in the farm <laughs> like mm. i don't know what the hell's happening here okay. which is why it's these it's this constant question of maybe we're supposed to be learning something from these experiences something past just what we're supposed to learn on just corporeal earth all right what i learned was after a horse is studded it's no longer special to a farmer <laughs> and i think that's really sad well, eventually, Boas came into contact with Dr. Olavio de Faunas of the National School of Medicine in Brazil. Dr. Faunas also happened it's to... It's Dr. Phones. <laughs> no, it's Dr. It's not Faunas. Dr. Phones. It's not... Dr. Not gonna, it's Dr. Phones. Okay, yes, yeah, sir. it's not going to be Dr. Ph I'm not. No, hey, I'm Dr. Phone. Dr. <laughs> Telephone. Hello. I'm sorry. I'm answering my thumb and my pinky because I have a brain tumor. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dr. Faunus also happened to be a representative of the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, a.k.a. APRO, based in Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin. I ain't going to that doctor. You ain't going to the doctor? No. Why not? Not after I find out he's part of the UFO nerd club. You are, you've learned nothing over the years. You trust nothing. You bastard. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> it's just scary stuff. Interesting fact about APRO, they eventually became the Midwest UFO Network, which in 1973 was renamed the Mutual UFO Network, a.k.a. MUFON. Thank My God. alma mater. I thought you were going to say NAMBLA. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God it went with MUFON. No, that's very cool. And it's nice Wisconsin's getting a little bit of love on this show. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But at any rate, it was Dr. Faunus who convinced Boas to go public with his story. Because Boas never sought fame nor fortune for this story. Oh, he didn't seek all of the fortune that comes with being abducted? Well, people pay you money for these stories. Really? Yeah. They, okay. they can. Betty and Barney okay. Hill went and made a case for if you tell your story, you could get up. Because they, they were the first one to have a movie made about them. That's Books true. written about them. But at the same time, what you quickly, quickly learn mm. is that there is... No money in the abductee business. No. There is, there absolutely ain't none. It ruins your entire life. Yeah. Ah. But if asked about it, like Boaz wouldn't deny it, but he also didn't go around talking about it unprompted either. Okay. No, it would take a couple of surfaces for him to say, like, yeah, you remember that time I fucked that space bitch? Like, he had to say that. <laughs> and we're like, what? He says, like, pull up an El Sulo, my friend. We are going to get into this right now. Well, in fact, Antonio V.S. Boas became a respected lawyer. He married a human. He had a family. And he died a happy old man in Brazil in 1992, perfectly at peace with his belief that he had participated in a sexual encounter with an alien back in the 50s. All right. Great story. Now, despite the lesions and the yellow, watery discharge, okay. which is a big despite. It's a big despite. His ex Antonio's experience with the alien sex goddess was, for the most part, positive, because Antonio was young, strong, and single. So he could do pretty much whatever he wanted. For him, it was just kind of a lark. Right. Yeah, you, you go, girl. Yeah. The man in our next tale, however, was not so lucky. Uh-oh. 
Peter Corey was born in Lebanon, but had grown up in Australia, where he married a Greek woman named Vivian in 1990 and had two kids with her over the coming decade while he was working in the construction business. And then they moved in there with their wacky neighbor from uh, an island somewhere in the Greek Isles, and they discovered what it would be like when two perfect strangers get together <laughs> in an apartment and, and just see what kind of adventures come around. Oh, man, they're always up to something fun. <laughs> Now, while Antonio's experience was pretty much a quick scan followed by a pluck and fuck, Corey's suspect. I love these descriptions, Mark. <laughs> yeah, I really do. It's also my favorite chicken restaurant, pluck and fuck. It's really great. Now, Corey suspects that preparation for his participation in the secret alien breeding program had begun when he was just a child. Not sexually when he was a child. But they were starting to groom. There was a little bit of surveillance. Yes. Okay. He, they were raising him. Mm-hmm. It, very Woody Allen-esque. No, he, <laughs> they never married Peter Corey. He never got married to that alien. So, unfortunately, Peter Corey's story is weirdly sadder. Oh. Well, Peter's first experience with extraterrestrials came when he was only seven years old. In 1971, just before his family moved to Australia from Lebanon, Peter and his friends were playing on a rooftop when a large egg-shaped craft appeared in the sky. It is I, Lord Zablowski. As I spray frog liquid into your mouth, children. Experience the fact. Now, Peter said that he remembered seeing two tall Thin people staring out from the windows. Disgusting. <laughs> That's how I feel when Kissel hits a group of people outside a restaurant watching Kissel eat. <laughs> you are too much. <laughs> but Peter's playmates remembered nothing. Hmm. Because right after they all saw this egg-shaped craft, all the kids woke up inside with no memory of how they got in there. Peter remembered what had happened, but none of the other kids did. But that hadn't even been the first time strange people had appeared in Peter's life, although he was not aware of the initial experience. When Peter was only 22 days old, his mother was nursing him when a man with long blonde hair and fair skin appeared in her window wearing a long-sleeve black turtleneck. Julian Assange. (laughs) Get out of here. Don't sell my secrets to the Russians. (laughs) Does sound like Edgar Winter. Yeah. (laughs) That would be sweet if Edgar Winter showed up. (laughs) Peter's mother reported that she didn't remember having any fear during this encounter, but she also didn't remember how the encounter ended. Okay. All she remembers is this weird, pale white guy showed up, long black turtleneck, and then nothing. But if he went in and just checked Peter Curry's penis as a little boy and says, this one's gonna grow up fine. (laughs) I don't anything that could have happened, I guess. Years later, in Australia, Peter's mother was met with another strange being. This time, she said that she saw just some dude walk through a hall doorway into a room in her own house in the middle of the day. But when she walked into the room to investigate, no one was there. Whoa. And and they, but at the time, they called it the ghost. Yeah. They thought that they were haunted by ghosts, mm. which I think is really interesting because you see this sort of blurred line between various anomalous behavior where you see this thing they assumed they were being like, so if they just stop there, we're talking haunted house. Yeah. But as soon as it gets to dick sucking machines, it becomes aliens, which is interesting if ghosts are using dick sucking machines. <laughs> well, now why would they need that? 
Just for fun. For fun, because they're bored being ghosts. Zach Baggins would be certainly more, even more enthusiastic about his various <laughs> adventures if he knew that he'd go into some old insane asylum and maybe also get his dicks up. Oh, absolutely. The old Zach Baggins. Handsome man. Handsome. Big, big hands. Also with this description, it sounds very dreamlike, yeah. which is what people say often of the abduction experience. Mm. And there's one thing I'd like to mention, which is a researcher's work named Patrick Harper, who did a, re a series of books on a thing called Daemonic Realities, which is the idea of just something that's other than our current reality. Okay. The daemon world, D-A-I-M-O-N, is something like what they say with the Hilda folk, the hidden people, and how all of these sort of stories kind of fit together. And the one the way that he described it there is a very difficult bridge to gap. It's an age-old gap between the spirit and matter, between the invisible and the visible. He says it's a point of discontinuity, which I think is an interesting way of putting it, that there's this kind of gray area, this this spot where as the daemon reality and ours like touch each other, there's this mixed-up area where it's stuff like this happens, kind of weirdly surreal, d disconnected activity that turns out to be very significant. All right. What was in the same house the family supposedly saw their weird ghost thing, that Peter had his first adult experience with extraterrestrials. The year was 1988, and Peter Corey had just moved back in with his parents after six rough years on the streets of Australia, although Peter offered no details whatsoever as to what made those years so rough. He was the bassist for Flock of Seagulls, and it was a rough tour. <laughs> it's hard in Australia. Yeah. I love that band, though. I actually recently listened to their song, that their album, that first one. Now Run So Far Away? Yep. That's yeah, a fine album. I yeah. love them. I love them. No, I love. I, they was. They were one of the saddest bands that came to love it because nobody bought tickets and they had to cancel the show. Aww. Really? Yeah. I guess they didn't really have a flock of seagulls, did they? I fucking hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. Well, perhaps Marcus, you can tell that story on your new music podcast, No Dogs in Space. Yeah, it's gonna be coming here real soon. We just did a four-part series on the Stooges. That's what we're starting off with, but that'll be coming out very soon. Me and my wife. Well, speaking of... My wife and I have a podcast. <laughs> speaking of coming, let's get back to the story. At around 11 p.m., Peter left his father and brother while they were all watching TV together in the living room. Peter went to bed. But when he laid down, he said he felt something grab his ankles. Ooh. At that moment, his body was seized by a strange numbness, and a tingling sensation worked its way from his toes to the top of his head. In effect... He was paralyzed and could only move his eyes. But at the time, it was one of those, when you could only move your eyes, it makes the sounds of the... <laughs> as they go back and forth, it's fun. Yeah, so this is sort of like a sleep paralysis type situation. Very much so. Now, at first, Peter thought that this was God's punishment for those six rough Australian years. Well, what the hell? Okay, hold on. Now, <laughs> now I have to know. Quotation marks. <laughs> what because happened? There's, I think that, I mean, don't know, but I think something involving a boy in a river, <laughs> something involving a certain brown bag that was given to an Italian man, like just various things that if you see those those statements made individually, you're like, okay. But then at other points, you're like, but you said all of them together. Yeah, right. Those were some six rough Australian years. <laughs> I guess so. It just seems like rough Australian years are some of the roughest years possible on earth. Yeah. 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 My goodness. But as Peter was just about to beg for God's forgiveness... The aliens showed up. And they were like, we don't care. You were the Bukaki boy from 1982 to 1982. <laughs> oh, I had to be. Oh, I had to be. They said I was the one. 
I had a man came with tawny sunglasses on. He said a red pill or a blue pill. The movie hadn't been made yet, so I didn't know there was a joke. I didn't know it, was a, it wasn't a thing. <laughs> well, the first aliens to appear were three to four feet tall, and they all had black, wrinkled faces. Hmm. If you want to know what he said, if you want to know what they look like exactly, watch the Christopher Walken film Communion. Just skipped to the abduction yeah. scene. Yeah, you it say is, it's it's not Walken's best work. No, 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 no. It's more of a Christopher Stalin. Ah, for time. <laughs> Very good. Professional podcasters. <laughs> well, in contrast to Antonio's experience, these aliens did, in fact, speak with Peter telepathically. Ooh. They told him, as most aliens do, to relax. You're not going to be harmed. But when Peter looked to the other side of the bed, he saw there was more than one type of alien present. Uh Uh-oh. While the initial aliens had been wrinkled, black, and small, these others were tall and thin and had goldish yellow skin. They were wearing surgical masks and white gowns. And Peter said he instinctively knew one was male and one was female. Now, despite this terrifying spectacle, when the aliens told Peter to calm down, all his fears vanished. But what did worry Peter was that the female told him that this time would be just like the last time. And he's like, but Peter didn't remember anything. What? He literally <laughs> made that noise. He went, what? <laughs> the way he said was the small black ones, we call them alien police. He said that they were like little alien police. Okay. They were, they were the size of my father. <laughs> sure. So, yeah, it works. It yeah. checks out. <laughs> but the other ones he called the doctors mm. because they had these little kind of like would you'd have surgical masks right but theirs were very thin to cover their super tiny mouth weird at that point peter noticed a long needle-like flexible crystal tube in the hands of the female Uh oh she was soon inserting the instrument into the left side of peter's head which caused peter to black out next thing he remembered he was waking up in bed alone He ran to the living room and found that both his brother and his father, who were notoriously light sleepers, were both deeply passed out in their chairs. And once he shook them awake, both of them said that it felt like someone had just flipped a switch and they both passed out. Wow. It's very, very strange. And I also think that the surgical mask thing was more of a projected image. Mm -hmm. I've been reading more about this concept of these guys that all of these aliens are biological slash mechanical creatures created by some possible either higher intelligence or something that truly does not have any form whatsoever. Hmm. This is me just... edibles (laughs) edibles <laughs> this is yeah. just shit talking this is just back in my head man sitting and thinking making a rainbow on my own back of my fucking islands well you, someone's got to make a rainbow the next day peter told his future wife vivian what happened and when she looked at his head she saw that there was in fact a puncture hole a small lump and a bit of dried blood whoa and peter did go to a doctor but the doctor insisted that peter must have just hit his head on a nail at work what are you talking about how many times do i do that every day at work i hit my head on a nail well he's a construction worker even though (laughs) even i know for a fact did I fucking hit my hit my face on a nail? Again, I'm just scared of everything. I'm a fucking I'm a comedian. Yeah. yeah. Well, upon further inspection of his body, Peter also discovered a biopsy scar on his shin. Hmm. Pretty much nobody believed Peter's story until he found a psychiatrist named John Mack from, of all places, Harvard. Harvard University. <laughs> really. <laughs> 
Now, Mac was a legit figure in the academic world. He'd already won a Pulitzer Prize for a biography of Lawrence of Arabia that he'd written back in 1977. This oh. guy was very, very late. He was a tenured professor at Harvard. I mean, and that means that's a lot. Yeah. You know, that is that means he's yeah. very smart. Do you have an idea? Because how you know many- who else is a tenured professor? Alan Dershowitz. And he <laughs> you know how many Epstein parties you have to pretend to forget to be a professor at Harvard? That's a good point. You just have to constantly be like, I'm here for the little triangle sandwiches. Little yeah. triangle sandwiches. Yeah, this, this is, is incredible. This woman's this... massaging my leg. Oh, little triangle, triangle sandwiches. Wow. But in the 90s, Mac had moved on to seriously studying the phenomenon of alien abduction. And there are two books that he wrote, which is the Johnny Mac's Abduction and also Johnny Mac's Passport to the Cosmos. Why are you which calling him Johnny Mac? Oh, John E. e Mac. Mac. Yeah, I, I thought Johnny you were calling Mac. him like Johnny Mac. Hey, my, my buddy Johnny Mac. You know him? He always brings a pool cue everywhere. Oh, why? I wonder. You know, so he also wrote a book called Passport to the Cosmos, which are necessary books for anybody that's into ufology. Question, did this ruin his academic career? We'll get to that here in a second. Okay. Well, by the end of his study, Matt concluded that while he would never say that aliens were physically taking people, there was a compelling, powerful phenomenon that he could not account for in any other way. He said, I know these people aren't just making it up, but I also can't prove the existence of aliens. Something is going on here. We just don't know what it is. Hmm. His take was that these encounters were something akin to the sorts of vision quests that ancient peoples have been taken for millennia. And it was only recently that we started calling these people crazy. If you read Passports to the Cosmos, it does a really good breakdown of the ontological distress, which is this concept of people, the, the this event has happened to them, and it's become a benchmark in their life for some reason, they, and it has completely affronts everything that they know to be real, because mm. they are faced with a thing that consciously quite a bit, the, a lot of abductees say the same thing, being like, I know that this is not real. I do not believe in aliens. The, all of this is absolutely incredible, but it is now sucking my dick. <laughs> this oh. thing with gray tits is sp- on my penis right now. Right. And, and it, it should be. No. And so he does a, it's a gigantic, it's a fantastic work, and it really explains how difficult it is to pin down the world of the unreal. Yeah. Okay, interesting. But Harvard turned up their noses <gasps> at even the possibility that someone would seriously study alien abduction. And they actually launched an investigation into Max studies, the first time in Harvard's history that such a thing had ever been done to a tenured professor. They said he was being, quote-unquote, professionally irresponsible by not immediately dismissing these people and telling them, you're crazy. You're crazy. You're crazy. You know, it's very bizarre, Harvard's set of standards. They love the Kennedys, even though they've killed a lot of people. They love pedophiles because they give them a bunch of money. But when it comes to aliens, that's where Harvard draws the line. Fortunately, though, the academic community came to Mac's defense. Oh, really? No punitive action was taken, and Mac wrote two well-respected books on the subject. But it was with John Mac that a small part of Peter Corey's memories concerning his alien experience was unlocked. Just a very tiny piece, okay. but an important piece. Following the insertion of the needle, Peter remembered finding himself on a table with one entity standing above him speaking with the sound... Kinda sounded like the chirping of a flock of birds. 
But that was all that he remembered from that one. Following that, Peter spotted a billboard for Whitley Schrieber's alien abduction book, Communion. And upon buying and reading it, Peter said that the similarities between his experience and Schrieber's were astounding. Well, he wasn't alone in this fact. A oh. lot of people ended up reading Communion, which is why it became such a hit, because it ended up being a lot of people reading a thing that they recognized as a weird thing that happened to them, and they also did not think it was real. Right. And when Peter Curry's wife, who divorced him real hard after she this. She did? Because UFOlogy ruins lives. I know. <laughs> she said, like, she was reading the book before him, and she's like, this happened to you. Yeah. This is you. Really? Live from your grave. Texas Pete is a sauce and allows you to sauce like you mean it. It's what people gather around, it's generosity in its simplest form, and it's a swagger people have who know what's good. Each Texas Pete hot sauce is packed with bold, balanced flavor. This signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. It's been at the center of dinner table since 1929 and is still heating things up today. You're definitely going to want to try Every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. The hotter hot sauce is three times hotter than the original, and not for the faint of heart. Sabor by Texas Pete adds authentic Mexican flavor, and their dust-dry seasoning matches the flavor of the original hot sauce and a flavorful dry rub. Tell you what, the other day I was having myself a good old refried bean burrito, and I wanted a little bit of kick to my morning, so I got myself some cha, Texas Pete sriracha sauce, and I smothered those refried beans and that cheese and them eggs and a whole bunch of cha, and it started off my day correct. Texas Pete, sauce like you mean it. Visit TexasPete.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And use the promo code PODCAST. 24 for 20% off at texaspeat.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with Horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders... I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. 
Now, nothing happened to Peter concerning aliens for another four years, 1988 to 1992, all clear. But in 1992, Peter was attacked by three men with shovels on a job site. Oh, what? Honestly, what did he do? No, he just, he was mugged pretty much. Was he? Yeah. Dude, does that happen on job, job sites often? I guess. Where you just get attacked by three guys with shovels? Well, if you're walking down the street, like, let's say, I mean, he could have exposed a drug cartel and he could, in fact, be Sylvester Stallone from Cobra. Okay. I'm not certain. <laughs> we don't know. Or he was in a construction site and three youths with enough energy to want to, to expend, want to attack an, a man on the street like happened to me several times. <laughs> yeah, that is because and you Henry look like nothing. a victim. I no, nothing. he looks like a victim. Why, why was, are you? Why are you all? Of he a was wearing a dashiki. Here. I'm not victim blaming. Yeah. He was wearing a <laughs> I dashiki. That, I said that he was attacked by three men with a shovel. And your course question is, what did he do? Wow. What did he do? Wow. Because <laughs> that doesn't just happen. The only thing I've ever been guilty of is being incredibly castable. <laughs> and notice, oh, that, that, right? like, that guy's got the X factor. Let's beat it out of here. So you were cast <laughs> into being mugged. <laughs> Well, as a result of this attack, Peter suffered severe head trauma. It wasn't aliens that attacked him at all, but the head trauma is important to the story. Okay. See, ever since the experience with the needle four years earlier, the sight of the insertion on Peter's head had turned into a lump that increased and decreased in size. Sometimes got as big as a fucking marble. Jesus. And after Peter had a CAT scan following his injury, he was futzing with the lump when he felt a very thin wire protruding from his skin. That was new. Peter scratched and he pushed the area, kind of like, like treated it like a bit of a zit, until finally something popped out and hit the coffee table. He's Whoa. making candy. Yeah. I guess so. Now, Peter thought that he got a glimpse of this object. He said he thought it looked like the tip of a match, but neither he nor his wife could find the object after it expelled itself from Peter's head. Did he say how that felt? It must have felt really good to get it out. He just said it popped out. Yeah. Ooh. It sounds like, unfortunately, it sounds like a pimple. It sounds like it could be. That's a four-year pimple? Hey, man, I've had four-year boils on the inside of my fucking asshole. Really? Maybe it was. No, he is not. <laughs> that is not possible. Maybe it was a spider. Hmm. Could hmm. also be, well, a spider living inside his head? Yeah, yeah we've seen videos like that. Mm. Is that some kind of spider serial killer comes back again and again to the scene of crime to bite it again and again each time, wrapping little other girl spider panties around its mouth and jerking <laughs> off the first time it sees the act of in the, in the blare of its crimes? Now, because Peter was dealing with a severe head injury, he was on a lot of medication, mm -hmm. and he would vomit up to ten times a day. Oh, that's, what, that's what happens when you have head injury. Some people react with extreme vomit. That sucks. Yeah. That's extreme with three X's. Whoa, extreme <laughs> vomiting. By the way, this product is brought, this show is brought to you by Fuckouts. <laughs> but on July 23rd, Peter had the strangest experience of his life that might have been explained away as a medically induced hallucination had it not been for the evidence left behind. Okay. At 7.30 a.m. that morning, Peter woke up with the feeling that something light had stepped onto his bed. And when he opened his eyes, he saw that that something was two naked women. <laughs> his first thing is like, what kind of hotel is this? <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> he said he felt no fear 
but the feeling he described is confusing to say the least. He said he felt as if he was looking through the back of his head, like he was sitting behind himself. Mm. And eventually his consciousness came forward and joined his physical body. Dude, I had the same shit where I ate a bunch of edibles and I thought it'd be fun to... I was watching Hellraiser and I thought it'd be fun to eat some super hot food mm-hmm. while I was watching Hellraiser. That's I got cool. to do a whole thing like, like I'm spicy. in fucking hell. Yeah, all this kind of shit. So I got the number one rated that that the top level on um, Hot Ones. I got their super hot, like not, it was before it was the last dab. I think it was Dave's Insanity. It was whatever it was the last hot one, right? Because at the time I thought maybe I'll train to get on Hot Ones. <laughs> yeah. Right? And all that went away. We're not facing it. famous enough. He ruined it all. He's, he got very, very big, which yeah. I, I'm happy for him. Yes, yeah, Scarlett that. Johansson is on that show. Yeah, we're not getting on there. Yeah. But I, I ate some, and then it was like my whole body went, oh, and I did <laughs> shoot behind me. I shot behind me, and I was watching me struggle with myself, trying to watch Hellraiser shoot and sweat everywhere. And I was like, I am not ready for hot ones. No, definitely not. That's heavy. That must that must have very high Scoville levels. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You remembered. Very yeah. good. Well, once Peter got his bearings, he saw that one woman was blonde and white, while the other appeared to be Asian. Okay. <laughs> Some kind of Asian. <laughs> We're doing a lot of movie quotes today. It's a lot of fun. A lot of movie quotes. Well, the white woman seemed to be in her mid-30s with Farrah Fawcett-like hair, but Farrah Fawcett hair done to the extreme. Okay. Very, very feathered. And he said that she had high cheeks, just like what Antonio had described. Peter also said that her face was long and stretched and that her eyes were bright blue and two to three times bigger than what was normal, huh. although her mouth and lips were reasonably proportionate. The Asian woman looked strange as well. Her cheeks were puffy and swollen, and her eyes were so dark as to be almost black. The way he described it is that he said that it looked like she got punched two times by Mike Tyson. Yeah. Jeez. Hair-wise, she had a page boy haircut. But the hair didn't move at all. He said it looked like she was wearing like a strange helmet, kind of like a uh, like Legos. Okay, it's remember those commercials, the Duracell commercials with those weird plastic people. Yeah, it's something like that, or like Tim Burton's girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Once the liaison began, however, Peter got the impression that the white woman had done this before because the Asian woman was watching her to see what to do. Mm-hmm. And it was the blonde who made the first move. I've seen this series before. Indeed. <laughs> the blonde reached out and grabbed Peter's head with both of her hands and tried forcing him towards her left breast. But Peter was a married man. Uh-oh. So he resisted. My wife knows. <laughs> My wife won't let me do it. <laughs> she tried again and again, gently, but with a great amount of strength. And when she finally used all of her strength and Peter couldn't stay away from the breast any longer, he decided to use a little brute force of his own and he bit off a chunk of her nipple and accidentally swallowed it. Oh my goodness. He went well, straight we just if you're He went straight into Chihuahua attack mode. <laughs> you have to, but if you are married to a person who is abducted and they have sex with an alien, 
That's their, they get away with that. That's a get out of free jail card. You can cheat with an extraterrestrial. They're not human. The same way you can have sex theoretically with a robot. You're not married, man. Yeah, you're not married. If my if I had sex with a robot, my wife would be highly displeased. My <laughs> wife would be very upset. Mike, Natalie were sometimes abducted, will get mad at me about a dream that she had. <laughs> yeah. If you were abducted by an alien, though, I just feel like they can't really. What are you gonna do? What I guess you, you're, I guess when you are married, you are locked in, and then what are you going to do? But it just seems like, um, I don't know. If I was raped by an alien, my wife would be very upset about it, but upset for me. Mm-hmm. If I were to willingly have sex with an alien, my wife would also be very upset, but she would be upset with me. I don't think that that's appropriate. Extra- I think that he's completely correct. I think exactly what's <laughs> going to happen. I think, I think sexual that is- relations, that is like... <laughs> It's beyond our world. Our our ladies are cool, but <laughs> they know for a fact that the problem is that we're curious little cats, like we said at the point. She knows know. at some point we'll be like, Yeah, oh, how hard did you fight? How hard did you fight having sex with an alien she Henry? Her nipple off. Yeah, nipple but, off. And, but that's the other thing too, is that these aliens, they they spread disease as well. Yeah, maybe they're space herpes. Everyone comes back with some weird shit. Okay. I don't wanna br- I don't wanna spread that to my wife. My okay. wife <laughs> Lucky ladies. Lucky ladies. The weird thing about it, though, is that the alien did not react in pain when he bit off her nipple, and there wasn't even any blood. Peter said it was as if he had taken a bite out of a plastic dummy, Hmm. and the alien really didn't even look angry or even that surprised. Rather, she was just disappointed. Why you gotta mess up my titty? (laughs) Immature content ahead. (laughs) Pretty... I think so. I think so. Pretty much the only reaction the aliens had to Peter biting the nipple off was a look that said, this ain't how this is supposed to go. Oh, no. But as Peter was trying to swallow the alien nipple... Why not just spit it out? He couldn't. It was stuck. Oh, so my he think like, either you're gonna spit it out or I'm gonna swallow it. It's way too far down to sw- it's way too far down to spit it back out again. So you got to try to swallow it. Mm-hmm. But the chunk got caught in his throat, so he started coughing. He had a coughing fit, and it was in that moment that the women vanished. Yeah, because now you he, ruin the whole mood. Bro. Yeah, you ruin the mood entirely. Mm-hmm. Peter got up and tried drinking a glass of water to wash down the chunk, but nothing seemed to work. He only stopped when he suddenly had the violent urge to urinate. That's when he made another disturbing discovery. When he pulled out his penis, he saw that the whole thing was cut up and burning. Whoa! And when he slid back his foreskin, he found that a hair had been tightly wrapped around the shaft. So tight that it was cutting into the skin. Oh, God, that's so fucking bad sounding. (laughs) I will say, when I first read this, because this came from a book, I believe it was called Hair of the Alien. We'll get to Hair of the Alien here in a bit. Um, but this, uh, I remember first reading this account, and I was like, "How the hair get on dick?" Yeah, you know, it's whatever. And then, um, I was I made love to my wife, who hmm. I love very. You want to go into detail about this? And once we <laughs> assembled the furniture again and moved everything back into place, uh-huh. I discovered that I was just like, "Oh, it's great." I had a hair 
wrapped around my penis. But was it tightly wrapped? Like, was it wrapped, wrapped, or was it just on it? It was enough I had to unfurl it like it was a yo-yo. Do you think that anyone wants you to tell the story I'm or even saying, hear this story? I'm just saying, it's just one of those funny little things, like a Reader's Digest kind of funny thing, like a relatable thing, like a Dave Barry thing. Yeah, okay. Well, what Peter did... When he freed his penis from the hair, <laughs> he smartly put the hair into a bag for later analysis. Oh. He's a souvenirs. <laughs> and he sealed it up. Okay. About three weeks later, he finally brought it up to his wife. But surprisingly, she was supportive. She See? Was look- she was looking for an out. She was not looking for an out. She was supportive of what he was saying. She was supportive of the hair wrapped around his penis. Well, her opinion was that it wasn't something Peter could control. And it wasn't like Peter was inviting the women over. So really, nothing to do here. That's exactly what I was saying. But he resisted, Ben. He resisted. He re- if he was in Antonio Villas Bo- Villas Boas's, <laughs> and if he was like, "I'm sorry, you know, they covered me in this goo, goo and, I and then could we not, did the, I we, couldn't resist." I, <laughs> and then we did the upside down twist, and we did the headless <laughs> well, horseman. That, that's the thing when you're shifting into positions and different moves and trying to see it in the mirror and all that kind of shit. That's a different. Okay. style of alien sexual encounter right. than this. Obviously, he was raped by yeah. this by this alien woman yeah. that he didn't understand what was happening to him. Yeah, but even though his wife was on his side, the UFO community in Australia was not. <gasps> One group called UFO Research New South Wales straight up told Peter that his story was, quote, too sexy to be believed. Too really? sexy. Too, oh. too sexy. Oh, my goodness. Because they were jealous. Yeah. Because all they had ever seen was orbs. <laughs> they saw maybe an orb. They like watched mm. the. It was like in Poltergeist when the investigator said, we watched a roller skate move eight feet, like that kind of bullshit. Where they've been seeing nothing but boring stuff. And right. they're like so mad being like, man, you got. Got an alien threesome last night? Fuck you, buddy. Yeah, too sexy to be believed. So, because Peter got no support from the UFO establishment in Australia, he and a few others left the UFOR NSW and formed the UFO Experience Support Organization, the UFO ESA, which Peter <laughs> still kind of sort of runs on Facebook to this day. Okay. And if you look up this, the Facebook account for UFO ESA, the UFO ESA. You will see it is there's a lot of saucy pictures on there of these aliens. Mm-hmm. There's definitely some saucy uh, artist representation of what the white woman looked like and what the Asian woman looked so like. So he's still talking about it. Uh, every once in a while he'll bring it up. Okay. Well, he just did a big tour. I know and that wasn't recently. I want to say it was nah, I say recently, which is sad. It was like 10 years ago. But I watched a 3-hour talk that he did where he's been this is still he's refining it over time. He was a very big part of the UFO community for many years. Okay. Yeah. But back in the 90s, Peter's case caught the eye of a UFO researcher named Bill Chalker, who cataloged his findings concerning Peter Corey, along with all sorts of other sexual alien encounters, in a book called Hair of the Alien. <laughs> See, this case had something that most abduction cases don't. Peter Curry claimed to have evidence. I got the hairs! You got the hairs! Right! So, Peter and Chalker sent the hair that Peter had found wrapped around his penis into a lab for analysis. Now, we'll admit, DNA science is not necessarily our area of expertise. Fuck you, bro! Yeah, man. <laughs> I know all about it! Definitely, <laughs> definitely know about it. Dropping nug asses yep dna buddy in rna what does the r stand for 
Richard. Richard. <laughs> yep. Yeah, Kissel. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> well, to put it as basically as possible, because Chalker goes pretty in-depth concerning the technical details as to why the hair Peter found wrapped around his penis was so strange, to put it as basically as possible, the findings discovered that while it was human hair, it showed substitutions in the DNA that appear only in extremely rare human lineages. Hmm. Furthermore, the hair showed two different kinds of mitochondrial DNA. Now, this alone would be enough to raise a few eyebrows. Weep, weep. But the hair also showed deleted genes for the CCR5 protein. Ben, you know what that means. Well, yeah, you got to delete it every now and again. Yeah, because you know what? <laughs> you got to make room. <laughs> you get to CCR5 because yeah. John Fogarty already got the rights to CCR1 <laughs> through 4. Of course, yeah. So you got to delete to make room for the new stuff coming in. <laughs> Down by the bayou. Yeah. Well, that meant that the owner of that hair would conceivably be immune to smallpox, AIDS and HIV. Oh my. Give me that hair. It's like Magic Johnson. Yeah, he still has HIV. No, I don't think he does. No, he does. He I, just did a, did a tweet celebrating his 25th an, the 25th anniversary of his uh, diagnosis and his announcement. But I believe that he no longer has it when they test him. Well, because mm. at the time, HIV was just a small man that was harassing you. Like, it was just his initials. <laughs> it was Harold Arnold Virginia. It was just a guy that walked around and just going, like, hey, no good. Yeah, you suck tonight, Magic. You suck. And what he did is he strangled him to death. Yes, that's a good analogy for what he did. Live from your grave. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. And it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. Hi. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands 
in the dirt. And I love planting things myself. And fast growing trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, it's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. And I didn't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Live from your grave. Uh, concerning these two stories, Antonio had a relatively nice, if strange, experience, while Peter Curry's encounter with the sexy aliens was a little more terrifying and completely unwanted. I mean, it was, I would say, a consensual encounter versus a straight-up rape. Uh, and it also ended his marriage. Yeah, well, I mean... I, no, I, his, his I involvement think... in ufology ended his marriage. Okay, okay. <laughs> but the man who got it worse than both of them was Credo Mutwa. Credo was abducted in South Africa in 1958, right after Antonio Vias Boas went through his own abduction scenario over in Brazil. If you are listening to this and have the capability to do this and want to do this because you are a demented, twisted human being like I am, Credo Mutwa, we're only just covering, the, the, we're scratching the surface of Credo Mutwa. He is actually a very interesting persona within ufology and david ike did a six hour interview series with him that i watched and credo is highly highly interesting person who says a lot of crazy shit about hmm. reptilians it is it is very very interesting and you know it's also david ike so you get to hear him stuff him being like oh credo it is absolutely wonderful to be here with you in africa and credo <laughs> is just barely kind of acknowledging it <laughs> Well, Credo is an honest-to-God shaman, and he was out in the mountains of Inyangani looking for an herb to heal one of his initiates when he felt the temperature drop. Uh-oh. Before he knew it, he was on a table in a spaceship with no pants on. Yeah. Oh, but that's the worst. Yeah, it just sounds like Kissel's freshman year at Marquette University. <laughs> well, if I went to Marquette University, that was for the rich people. I went to Milwaukee University. Oh, the shit one? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm a panther. Rawr. What is wrong with you? Panther. Rawr. Um, and also, Credo Muwa told me that, he, that Credo Muwa apparently ate a human hand in order to be get initiated, initiated into the secret area of the shamans. He also had his penis cut. Wow. Really? I know about the penis cutting because I've seen that on television before. But how'd they get the human hand? Look it up. Oh, my. Well, Credo said that he felt completely paralyzed, and the room was like a tunnel filled with metal. Then, suddenly, dull gray creatures appeared and began to move towards him. Uh oh. It sounds like the L train after midnight. <laughs> <laughs> a little New York humor. That's a little, a New, little York humor New York humor. Oh, God. Now, unlike the other two men in today's episode who saw aliens that were passably human, Credo's aliens were out of a nightmare. Uh-oh. He said the creatures were just put together all wrong, with limbs <laughs> too long for their body, thin necks, and heads like watermelons. Their eyes were huge, and they were missing noses and lips. Smell-wise, 
Mutwa said that the creature's odor was a throat-tightening chemical smell, like rotten eggs. So did they just, like, lose a shipment of human parts or something? Why weren't they put together all right? They had long, thin fingers with more joints than a human would have, and the thumb was in the wrong place. And at the end of each finger was a black claw. In other words... Mutwa was having an experience with the classic terrifying species we know as the Greys. Yeah, baby, yeah, it's the Greys, baby, yeah! Yeah, they were put together all wrong because that's how Greys are put together. Your brain doesn't know how to process it. Because, like, that's not how a humanoid should look like. That's horrible. That's what people say to me every time I'm at the airport. (laughs) (laughs) Naturally... Credo was terrified, but instead of calming him down with telepathy, these aliens decided to use pain. There are two stripes of greys, right? There is the small greys and the tall greys. Small greys, a lot of times, are the one you see quite often, more modern abduction scenarios. They move kind of in symmetrical ways. They're like little robots. Tall greys are also apparently biomechanical, Hmm. but they they do believe that the greys, like the reptilians, feed on human fear. There's a lot of people who said that they have seen a reptilian in an abduction scenario. They said that the, the way that they describe it is that a fear comes upon you that's so intense it feels like your soul is ripping apart. What if you don't get scared? Do you win? You're the one. You're Neo. Then you're Neo. <laughs> you can marry one of their daughters. Oh! <laughs> well, Credo said he felt as if a sword had been driven into his left thigh, Ooh. and the pain was so great that he called out for his mother. And this was not some sort of like neurological device that activates the pain center of the brain. They were driving an actual physical weapon into Credo's leg. And when they pulled it out, blood just started going everywhere. Oh, my goodness. So he's just like, mother, mother... And then Karen Pence shows up thinking it's her husband, Mike. <laughs> then an alien walked over in a jerky sideways motion as if he was drunk and introduced the first instrument of analysis. I'm going to tell you something. Yeah, I may be ahead of you, but I have been under a lot of stress. It's time to begin your analysis. Mm, bleeding a lot. Well, the instrument of analysis appeared to be a silver ballpoint pen with a cable at one end, and the alien shoved it into Credo's right nostril, causing even more pain and splattering blood all over himself and the table. At the same time, another alien drove a small black tube into what Credo called his organ of manhood. His penis. (laughs) Not his butthole? (laughs) His organ of manhood is not his butthole, okay. Well, Credo said that there was no pain, just a violent irritation, as if he was making rough love to someone or something. Oh, he's sounding against his will. That's not good. No. Then, when the alien violently pulled the tube out of Credo's penis, Credo unwillingly urinated straight onto the chest of the alien. Ah, gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) And Credo said the creature could not have been more surprised if Credo had shot him with a gun. This one sprung a leak. (laughs) (laughs) Because the creature, like, jerked away and almost fell down. Didn't expect it at all. (laughs) Honestly, this guy... (laughs) I think everybody was surprised in this scenario when they pull out the ripcord. (laughs) Just just start pissing everywhere. (laughs) 
That's a that's a wacky Wednesday. That's a good defense by Credo. And b- starting to pee is really a great defense for a whole series of things. Getting mugged, start to pee. Like if you're getting no, arrested, you just start to pee. No, people leave you, you alone when you're peeing. No, only if you're outwardly pissing at people. And then if not, you're just pissing your pants. Yeah, because if you're pissing your pants while you're getting mugged, then they're going to point it out and it's going to make it a lot worse. Like, oh, look, he's pissing his pants. Look yeah. at him, little girl, pissing his pants. Unless yeah, you start doing true. the thing going like, oh. Oh, what am I gonna do now to everyone? <laughs> what am I gonna do now? Yeah. Start punching yourself in the face. It's a great deleted scene from Joker. <laughs> well, when Credo peed on the creature, it just kind of staggered off, like as he said, a drunken insect. Dude, I love this though because now he's just got to make sure he has to pee, and he can just go clean house. <laughs> well, after that, the other creatures left the room as well, leaving Credo <laughs> naked and covered in his own blood. And urine. Yep. Ah. The only creature to stay behind was the one who seemed to be in charge. Credo said the others seemed to all be afraid of this alien in particular, and Credo instinctively knew that this one was female. But suddenly, two completely different creatures arrived. The first was a gigantic being made entirely of metal, obviously some sort of robot. Huh. A robot, huh? <laughs> it was a robot of no, some kind. Marcus uses robot. Marcus uses UFO. Marcus uses cuckoo clock. All <laughs> things that will that drive me to the edge of pure rage. Cuckoo clock just sounds like it's time to watch your wife have sex with someone in front of you. Well, the other alien had an appearance that will sound somewhat familiar to our listeners. It was a blonde white woman with blue slanting eyes, hair like nylon, high cheekbones, and a small pointed chin. But rather than being relatively proportionate, like what Boaz and Corey reported, this one was monstrous. You say monstrous, but I say she should celebrate herself. It's an alien. Mm -hmm. Well, the breasts were thin and pointed and way too high, (laughs) like almost on her neck. Okay, so far so good. And the body was thick and powerful, like a tiny gorilla. Do you. (laughs) Be you, girl. Be yourself. Except that its arms and legs were way too short for its body. It's kind of cute sounding. (laughs) Furthermore, the vagina seemed to be screwed to the front of the pubis. (laughs) At least you see where it is. As if the aliens believed that the location of the penis and the vagina were interchangeable. Not between the legs as it normally is. It is on the front of her body. Okay. If only they were interchangeable. If only they were. I wouldn't know, man. Think about that. I've heard the clitoris is really nice. To have? Yeah. Yeah. I bet it is pretty nice. Well, sitting atop that vagina was, again, a bright red tuft of pubic hair. Before Credo knew what was happening, though, this misshapen approximation of a woman was raping him. Hmm. And Credo said that this experience was the worst part of it all. Oh, he didn't even have a good one. No, he had a a horrible, horrible one. Well, I wonder if it's about certain... There's certain ways of life because he talks about the way of the shaman and the way of the when he talked a little bit about the Zulu warrior because he's he is Zulu. And so he was talking about the the types of rituals they go to go through all sound incredibly painful. Yeah, there's a lot of scarification, a lot of straight up beat ins, long hours of beating yourself with with rods and 
fucking, you know, knotted ropes and all this kind of shit. So I wonder if there's something about just how he looks upon magical experiences as being tied with extreme pain that kind of fed this sort of, this very distressing reality bending thing that happened to him. No, if the uh, abduction scenario is a collaborative experience between the interdimensional beings and the humans that they come into contact with, and the two things, as you said earlier, the two things sort of mixed together, that might be why Credo had a more violent experience, while Boaz, the Brazilian, had a much more sensual one. Hmm. Packers got a hell of a game this Sunday against the... They're, they're actually playing the San Francisco 49ers. In this world, you are outnumbered. They are. So I, it's, a, it's, a, it's a must win see if Green Bay is actually good, you know, as good as the record is. But no. Well, once it was all over, Credo was pushed to another room where he saw aliens that he said looked like disgusting little frogs suspended in cylinders filled with a grayish-pink liquid. I actually, I, I do listen, though, and I actually agree with you guys. I think that he has a negative attitude. Why it's, are they disgusting little frogs? It's Why can't you just about, be like, look at those little weird little frog things? Or like, that's it's a... because you, you just got Ard by a, a stump monster, and this other guy fucking he put a thing up your cock oh, and he yeah, so ripped he it out a... like a lawnmower, and you became a piss machine. They stabbed him in his leg. He's gonna have a negative impact. Right. Yeah, it's gonna okay. be a ne- I get it. He's gonna be a grumpy Gus. Yeah. I'm just it's... saying the, the frogs may have been cute. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe <laughs> if they waved and said, "If you give us a quarter, we'll sing you a song," that'd be different. <laughs> but they didn't do that. They didn't try to ease. Okay. The okay. But in the last room, Credo saw. He was met with the sight of another man, a white man, who was also covered in his own blood and urine. Uh-oh. Tuesdays, huh? Yeah. Tuesdays. <laughs> Coffee? I'm about to go. We just made a new pot in the break room. Uh, I'm going through round two. You kind of get used to the cock thing after a while. Oh. You could see my holes gotten whiter. But all Credo could do was lock eyes with the man for just a second and move on. Because the other guy looked just as terrified as Credo was. Jeez. And before Credo knew it, he was back in the bush pantsless with an extremely swollen penis. When he finally made contact with another human, he found that he'd been gone for three days. Yikes. How much time did it feel like to him? A couple hours. Okay. I mean, I felt like it was longer than what Antonio Villas Boas was going through because Antonio Villas Boas was living a scene from Brazzers and he's (laughs) here getting his fucking penis ripped open. Jeez. Now, like Antonio, Credo had side effects following his abduction, but his were far more horrific. He developed a rash that was similar to smallpox. His tongue swelled to the point where he could barely breathe. His skin began peeling off, and he bled from every orifice. Oh. Now, Credo actually believes that all this happened for a reason. He said that one year before his abduction, his friend had given him a lump of gray flesh, and the friend claimed that it was, quote, flesh from the sky god. Shit. So, Credo, being a shaman, ate it without question (gasps) and enjoyed a fantastic trip that lasted two entire months. Jesus Christ. That's My a junior year at Florida State. <laughs> that's a long trip. That's a little too long for me. He said it was fantastic. He said everything was brighter. Music sounded better. He's a pet because he's also an artist as well. Ah. He said that every color, when he was painting with that color, he said it was like it was the only color that existed in the world. Okay. Very that's focused. Cool. That's cool. Very focused. Yeah. 
But Credo believes that the abduction was his punishment for consuming forbidden flesh. Mm. Mm. Following his abduction, though, Credo, who's still alive at 98 years old, Damn. he's devoted his life to helping others who have also had experiences with the beings he calls the Incubusana. That's definitely a way to pronounce it. We don't know how to pronounce it, but, you know. Incubusana, maybe. Sure, could be. It roughly translates to the trappers. Ooh. Not like they're bosses. The trapper keepers. <laughs> the trapper keepers. Credo even makes sculptures of different kinds of alien creatures to help people process their trauma, essentially giving abductees a lineup to point out which alien was responsible for their abduction. You really should listen to his breakdown of the Chitari and their view, his view of the reptilian creator species that's come. It's very, very interesting. Hmm. Most of the time, people choose the figure that represents the creature known in certain parts of Africa as the Mantindani. Although we in the West know them by a much simpler name. We call them the Greys. Yes. That's all. Yeah, cool. that's awesome. <laughs> but I, this, these I are the love types. that. So this, so that is three different scenarios, but there are some similarities. There's similarities in all three. And so what is then, what is the purpose? So we got, we got the sky baby. So that guy's got a kid up there. Yes. What was the purpose of Kratos? Because they didn't milk him. They just, it seems like they just tortured his No, ass. they had sex with him and got, they did get his They semen. did. That's yeah. the idea. Okay. And we don't know. So a lot of times in abduction scenarios, as they go, you've seen people who have been tagged by aliens and then have been experiencing this shit throughout their whole lives. A lot of times it doesn't come out until much later on when these kind of memories come to like float to the top mm -hmm. at some point. And then they'll, at some in various scenario, a lot of times abductees that have had some form of either fertility experiment they believe done on them or it's something like this will show back up in one of these abductions and see their kids being raised by oh. either alien mothers or human mothers because that's one thing that they say very distinctly about the greys is that oftentimes especially women who believe that they've been made pregnant by an alien and then had it removed they'll see a baby in an abduction scenario and the greys will essentially be like nurse it try to give it emotion because the greys can't understand like comfort or, or emotional connection. It's actually a great premise for a, for a sitcom or a lighthearted comedic romp. You get a knock on the door and you look down and you say, hi, daddy. And it's like, oh my God, my child, I didn't know you existed. And then, but it's an alien child and then you have to raise it. It's like the, what's that movie? Uh, a Mac? Mac and me. Mac and me. Mac and me? Yeah. Kind of like Mac and me. Also kind of like Small Wonder with a little girl that was the robot. Whoa. That movie traumatized me. It was a TV show. I have not thought about that, whatever it was. I have not thought about that in a long time. I think that's when my hatred of robots started. You're scared of that little girl? Yeah. No, honestly, I remember that. I don't, yeah, I, I never watched it. So, movie, TV show. Uh -huh. Do you think that maybe you were like abused or molested while watching that show and you're no. just kind of like hiding all that? <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> you can say it. Yeah. I was not. I would just eat, I would just sit on my tummy and I would watch and I would eat fucking, um, Fuckos, <laughs> and I would watch. We don't to have fuckos unless you just fucked. No, I did not. I did not. Wow. Yeah. Um. So awesome. Well, there you go. We got a little bit of alien liaison tales. And obviously, you know, we'll do stuff like this again in the future. I love the idea of themed abductions because you'll see as you go. There's sort of like a hero's journey mm -hmm. when it comes to abductions. There's like a set path where it happens kind of in a certain way, and again and again, it re 
recognized, quote unquote, recognized abduction scenarios. Yep. So this is the kind of stuff. But there's so many flavors. Yeah. So many flavors. All right. So we've had some exciting news come out this week regarding our partnership with Spotify. And because of this exciting news, there's been a little bit of confusion and a couple of questions. So we just want to take a little time and answer the questions and alleviate the confusion. Try to. Guys, let's start from the very beginning. So we had an ad deal with a company that got purchased by AT&T. And when that happened, we lost our ad deal. Now, as you guys know, we have been Patreon. No, we didn't didn't lose our ad deal. They said we can do a handshake deal with no actual contract. And we're like, you trusty big corporation. (laughs) Yes, of course we believe you have a soul. Um, But so... For a while, you know, we we started the Patreon about four years ago. And when you guys gave us that money, it was incredible. A lot, it changed our lives. It got Marcus and Kissel. They, they got to quit their fucking various day jobs, and we got to do this mm-hmm. full time. As time has went on, we that Patreon grew. And it's now that is the Patreon that ends up funding the our entire operations here at the Last Podcast Network. That money pays for, it, it helps pay for employees, and it helps pay for the various spaces we use, for our merch. And then also, remember... 30 to 35% of that is just taxes. It's just, it's just gone, right? So our ad deals were the way our performers made money and the way we could add more and more to the network. Right. So we lost this ad deal. We had no, the, we had no clue where the hell to go. So we had a meeting with Spotify that was fairly innocuous. It was just like a high hello. And they basically said like, what do you do? And I explained like <laughs> last podcast network and all kind of shit and how we want to expand. You want to do more content. And we want to do all this stuff. And well, like, we okay. talk about Brazilian farmers getting milked. Um, <laughs> great, so, great, great, yeah. great, great. Uh, well, then it turned out half of the staff at Spotify already listened to the show. So they were well aware of our content and what the hell that we did. So they, they offered us a deal. And then we attempted to make them say no several times by saying the, the, we are – these are the things that we have to have right. before we do any sort of bullshit, which is number one, show's got to be free. Right? So the show, and so that is one of the questions that we've had was, do you have to have Spotify premium to download the show and get it for, or uh, in, in, to download the show? But the, we want to clarify this. The show is still 100% free. You can still download it. You don't need Spotify premium. We made sure of that because we firmly believe that our show should be free. Yeah, because I don't want any. I don't. Want, if you don't have the money to listen to us, I don't Absolutely. want you to have to listen. I don't want you to have to pay to listen to us. So that one thing. Two, creative control. We have to have entire creative control. They said you guys do the show that we are bringing on. You guys right. all have been. Cre- you created something out of nothing. Oh, you and all of the shows at LPN. So fucking just do what the hell it is that you got to do. That that's why we're having you is yeah. essential so every show is free and every show host yes i know holden mcneely i know it might not be a great thing but he still has 100 creative control yes. yes and we have 100 creative control we're going to keep doing the exact same show that we've always done and that is a 100 deal breaker with anybody uh, that we do a deal with oh and uh, also and it's, and it's a and if spotify ever tells us hey you can't say this hey you can't do this you can't do this we will tell Spotify to fuck off. Yeah. We will tell them to go away. We're not working with you anymore. We're willing to lose the deal to not be assholes to ourselves because I we don't we're not here to have a boss. We are our own weird bosses. And so Henry, you're fired. Henry <laughs> rehired. Continue. You're speaking. rehired. Yeah, I did it you myself. Didn't go through HR. That's me. (laughs) (laughs) But then the other one is we also can retain all of our content. So we own every single thing that LPN creates. So it's all ours. What now Spotify is going to do within this deal is that they are going to allow us to expand, add more employees, 
full t- full time with health insurance. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have an entire re- research team. We're going to have a, a booker for every one of our shows. So a lot of what's happening and the, the stuff that Spotify is giving us, money and resources, is all going into the business to help grow us out further. Yes, so it really is uh, LPN 2.0. Um, and this is just one of the changes that we've... I mean, when we went from Cave Comedy Radio to Last Podcast Network, when we went from our deal with uh, you know our previous ad company, Rooster Teeth, this is just another step. Uh, in our in our history. Yeah, I mean, we started this thing 10 years ago with, uh, I mean, it was just in a basement in Bushwick. It was in know? the changing room of the kitchen staff of a Mexican restaurant. No, technically, this started off in the moldy basement where it was just oh, yeah, yes, the moldy that's base, right. the In moldy your old house. In the, your yeah, old house. At 228 right, The changing room was an improvement. Yes, the that was the way up. That was the step up. The first place that we recorded was a moldy basement where I had uh, hung comforters that were working as the uh, soundproofing in that fucking room. C-U-M comforters. Marcus made sure that the sound quality was very good. Except <laughs> for when they crinkle because yeah. of how stiff they were. <laughs> you know, but that's okay. Yeah, that's but fun. That's but fun. we've gone through a ton of changes over the years and now, like last podcast network, we have seven employees. We have a few, a few of those employees are full-time. And some of those employees, like if they choose to have it, have health insurance. Like we pay our employees a living wage. We want to continue Continue to pay our employees living wage. We want to expand this whole thing. We want to do new shows. We want to make this network what we've always known it could be. And yep. through this partnership, we can do that without having to bring on a fucking investor, some Absolutely. fourth asshole that's going to come in and tell us what to say, what to do, what he thinks would be a good show. Bringing his buddies in, saying, well, "Hey, my buddy Jim's got a great idea for a podcast. Put him on the network." Kissel's already doing that at the sports bar, bringing the guys in. He's gonna be like. <laughs> This guy is real smart. He knows every single yeah, bad company song. Yeah. But, through this, but through this partnership, we get the funding to make this network what we've always wanted it to be, uh, while also retaining complete and total creative control. And the only thing that changes is an app. You just and have to download a free it. app to get a free show. And free also, and free nothing show. changes with our Patreon, to stress that. All of that content maintains the same. All that's the, exactly the same. But I also want you to know that the big thing is, I'll say this. In therapy, I work with this idea of of having being okay with the idea of asking for help and knowing that we need help sometimes. Yeah. And that's kind of where we're at with this with working with Spotify and speaking with them. We just had a call with them yesterday. It was really really hopeful. The internet is going to change wildly over the next couple of years. Right. So what we want to do is make sure that LPN is going to last for as long as humanly possible. That's right. And because that's why we, we take put- this shit really fucking seriously. We work really, really hard on the show. Yeah, we're a bunch of assholes, but we are unfortunately serious morons about <laughs> this work. Well, and it requires us, it's going to require more than just what we had before to expand and move forward. So I'm just yes. asking y'all. If you've been with us for this long, trust us through this transition because it's going to be very difficult for us to change. I'm going to lose us this deal. I know this for a fact. Something out of my mouth (laughs) is going to destroy this entire arrangement. And don't worry, it could be moot. 
in six months. So yes, it is. It really is a, a great experience for us, and uh, we're speaking now as CEOs because we are CEOs of this company. It is a company. It is something that we're trying to grow, and that's why we made sure to get every single show on the network over to the Spotify deal uh, to protect them, give them the best opportunity uh, for growth. And I think that this is going to create a better. It's going to create better content for you, the listener. And we always have you, the listener, in our minds whenever we make any decision. We never, ever lose sight of how grassroots we are and how DIY we are, how we started with zero listeners. I remember the first time we got 100 listeners. I remember we got when we got to 1,000, we were like, I think we, we are got it. good. We got it. When we, had when a th- got, when we got 1,000 listeners, I had a full-on panic attack. Yeah, we we're like, <laughs> oh, my God, what do we do now? Like, so we know like nothing has changed for us. We understand. like We come from working-class backgrounds. And so just to alleviate any of the concerns, we do this for you with you in mind, and we understand. Um, it's all fucking shocking, and it's crazy. Yeah. I just feel like the whole thing's going to change so rapidly. You don't, you, it, your head's going to spin, especially in the next two years. We're going to hopefully see a, a bunch of changes in the world, but there's a lot of stuff that's going to be really fucking chaotic. So Absolutely. what we're trying to do is make sure we got we got it fucking taken care of. Absolutely, because the the, the content that uh, creates your entertainment is uh, the most important concern for us. And so. the other the other thing too is that you know we would write. I mean, like Henry said, things are going to change very rapidly, and we would much rather go with the company we actually like. Yeah, like Spotify. We rather, all use Spotify. We all use Spotify. I mean, hell, you guys have been listening to this show for fucking years, and I've been making playlists to go along with the show right. on Spotify forever. We'd rather go with a company that we like rather than being forced into the fucking asshole of Apple. Yep. Yes. Which is going to happen eventually. It's you're gonna. It's gonna fucking just roll over everything like a goddamn steamroller. You're about yes. to have to download a new app for Apple Podcast fucking anyway. But I am gonna say this: the shows are gonna get better. Our shit's gonna get thicker. Oh. Two C's. It's gonna get wilder. B- b- top, t- top, weird. Very large, pointy breasts of podcasts are coming at you. <laughs> it's amazing. So thank you all for, uh, thank you all so much for being on this journey with us. Uh, this is just another fun, exciting chapter. So just get out there, download the Spotify app for free and you get our show for free. And- we're we're going to shut up about this for a while because it's not going to take place for a couple months. Like we're literally like, it's not going to be into early, early 2020. It'll be like February before yeah. this actually happens. So, so you there's got plenty of time to get used to the transition. Plenty of time. And again, I just, I think it's easier than people think it is. And even for us, it's, uh, it took us a second to realize what was going on. And that's yeah. why we had all the carve outs. And anyway, we'll never stop fighting for you. You're going to do this shit, motherfucks. So thank you all so much for the support over the years. And we can't wait to see you all on the road in the very near future. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, everyone. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Again. Magustalations. Hail me, y'all. Come on. Come on, you dogs. Uh Henry, I'm sorry. We're just not looking for your type today on the, uh, on the spacecraft. We're going to go with the Brazilian farmer again. Turns out the greys like him. They say that he's attractive, not Polish. I'll go down on him. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> this show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. 
Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.